Welcome to the weekly message from Rhema Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. So this week on The Heavenly Perspective, we are going to talk about living beyond me. Now that's not me I'm talking about. I'm talking all the me's that are in here. Living beyond ourselves, living beyond me. And so uh, I was looking at um, a picture of our galaxy this week. This is the Milky Way. And uh, I'm not the one that did all the calculations to find out that we are here, but somebody put that and we just take it for granted they're right. But what is interesting is that this enormous galaxy, the Milky Way, with incalculable stars, I mean, there are millions of stars, that actually uh, there are, they say, in in excess of 100 billion galaxies. Wow. So there's all these stars in our galaxy, but there are uh, over a hundred billion galaxies in our universe. Amazing. And the Bible says that he holds all of this in his hands. He made it all with his words. We don't really live with the reality of this. This is all up there. But maybe until I said something right now, I don't know, did anyone in here think about the galaxy when you woke up today? Indeed. And, uh, and maybe no one even thought about the moon when you woke up because some, oftentimes you don't think about the moon unless it's full or something. It grabs your attention. We don't really think about what's up there unless you're somebody who's always studying the sky and studying the stars or whatever. But whether we know it or not, it is there. Whether we're aware of it or not, it's there. As early as, and we decided in the first service, it's about the second or the third grade, we start in school learning about, you know, the galaxy, our galaxy. And I still remember having to memorize the planets by name. Can anybody rattle off the planets? Not, not now. Don't show off now. But I mean, you know, uh, yeah, we all had to learn the planets and everything. And so sometimes we don't know what's up there because, oh, we're ignorant that it's up there. Uh, sometimes we're just not aware of it. And then sometimes because, you know, everything that we're interested is on the ground around us, we really don't care what's up there. It's not really affecting us, we don't think. The deal is, the sun actually is affecting us, and if it weren't there, we'd be very affected in a second, less than a second. And so, even though we're not aware of some things that are bigger than us, they are still affecting us. But what we usually are aware of, uh, even though it isn't up there, is more what's down here. So if you'll do that first zoom in. I found, I looked for a zoom in into Australia, and the only one I found was in Geelong. (laughs) Go figure. They have all kinds of zoom ins. Do that one again. Yay, Geelong. We we have, um, that is from outer space. Woo! Right there. 
And that's usually what we're aware of is my house, my block, my street. And then do this next one. And even more so, I don't know what country this is fixing to go on, but here it comes, here it comes. Here it comes. To me. <laughs> yeah, it's all about me. The whole universe about me. And so it can be that everything ends up revolving around me. Uh, if you go to look at this next one here, um, the center of the whole universe, me, right there. And if we branch out a little bit from me, it's my family because they affect me. I know about them. I'm interested in them because depending on how they are, they make me happy. And still it's all about me. And then my friends. And my friends, because they they're, have a lot of proximity to me, I'm interested in them because depending on if they're nice or mean, it's all still about me. It's my friends. If they're making me happy or my job or m me. Of course, no one in there is like that, are we? We're wonderful. But anyway, it can be that way in varying degrees. I'm painting a really extreme picture. It's all about me. But even if it isn't all about me, there can be varying degrees where at least bits and pieces and part of it can be a lot about us, where we think how everything applies to me, how it affects me, and I don't know about it unless it affects me. For instance, maybe we'll go out to this larger circle here, is about my community. I don't think much about my community unless my child is in school. I don't think anything about the education department unless my child's in school. And I don't think much about the health department in my community unless I need it. I, I, me, I, it, it helps me. And I don't care too much about uh, anything that has to do with law enforcement or the judicial area unless, it, unless I got a ticket. Uh, it, you know, it, ha it is every, the world as it affects me. And from the community then is a bigger one, you know, could be the nation. Well, who even knows there is a nation that I'm alive in? Unless that nation does something with laws that affect me, affect my pay, affect something that affects me. And then, you know, there is uh, the international world. And we, we look at it, but, you know, it's just so on the other side of the TV. And it's so, you know, that same TV is, is uh, you know, it's all stories, everything fiction, except when we turn on the news, it's real. And then the stories we were watching before, the blood was fake, and the news, the blood is real, but it all kind of gets mashed together. And so it loses a sense of reality unless what is happening in the world affects me. Somehow the punch goes down, the impact goes down until finally it goes to the center of the universe and affects me. But actually, that is not the way that God intended the human being to live. 
there is something beyond me. How many of you know there's something beyond you? <laughs> and we want to be able to live beyond me, where we're not looking for everything to be feeding into this black hole of, of feeding into me. And so I'd like you to look at a verse of Scripture here in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life. Let's stop right there. Who in here has received his new life? Wave your hand if you're happy about it. Now look at this verse is then for us. If you have received his new life, he died so that everyone, that those who uh, that would receive his new life will no longer live for themselves and live beyond themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. All right? So we're going to talk about living beyond ourselves. And there are <clears throat> there's some things that we're going to look at in the Word of God today. We're going to look at several verses of Scripture. Are you guys okay with that? <clears throat> we're going to look at the Bible and let the Bible teach us today. God's perspective. And there are two pinnacle events that have happened over in time that give the greatest purpose of your life. These events are greater than community, greater than nation, greater than international, greater than anything that's ever happened on the planet. These two events stand as towers. And if you can see this line here, this is the line indicating of human existence is, is absolutely connected by these two pinnacle events. And what are they? Well, the first one is the first coming of the Son of God, God. And all that magnificent universe, universes that he created, God sent his son to this planet to redeem us. Isn't that amazing love? He came to us. And the Bible says that he came to us as our redeemer. He came to reconcile us and bring us back to a God that we had sinned against. He came to save us. Aren't you thankful that he did? Now, not everybody, even if you'll go back to that, to that, uh, those pinnacle things, not everybody even knows that he came. They don't know that he came. Some people know that he came. Uh, that's why we have Christmas. And that's a wonderful thing to know that at least he came. But the purpose of his coming was greater than to give an opportunity in the year for us to give, give presents. He came to seek and save that which was lost, and that was all of us. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Aren't you glad he came? But that was his first coming, and that first coming changes everything for people when they come to know about it. 
All right? So his first coming, there was 365 uh, prophecies in the Old Testament regarding his first coming. These prophecies gave indicators, signals, signs, clues so that when he would come, people would recognize him. They would recognize what he, was, what he was here to do. The only thing is that the Bible says in John, the first chapter and the 11th verses, he did come to his own, and his own didn't receive him. They had a different idea in their mind of the way it would look and when it would, would happen. And when he showed up on the scene, they didn't even recognize him. The Bible said... He came to his own, and his own didn't receive him, but as many as did receive him, to them gave he power to be called sons of God. So praise the Lord. In Luke, the, the 19th chapter, you don't have to turn there, in verse 44, at the end of Jesus' life here on this earth, before he went to the cross, he went to Jerusalem. He was up on a hill above Jerusalem. He was looking at it, and he began to weep. And there were several things that he said, but he said, you did not, he was talking to the city of Jerusalem, to the people that he came to help. He said, you didn't recognize the time of your visitation. In other words, God came to your city and you didn't recognize him. God came to your generation and you didn't recognize him. God came to your time and you didn't recognize him. Even though there were signs, even though there were indicators, you didn't recognize the first coming of the Lord. Well, now listen. There is a second pinnacle that all human existence is strung on. This second pinnacle has not yet happened. And this pinnacle here is the second coming of the Lord. Jesus is coming again. Now, for every verse of Scripture in the Bible about the first coming of the Lord, a prophecy about the first coming of the Lord, and he did, and he fulfilled every single prophecy precisely, exactly, but for every one prophecy, verse of Scripture in the, in the Bible about the first coming, there are seven for the second coming. I'm telling you, God does not want us to be clueless about, him, about Jesus coming back again, about this second pinnacle event. The first one profoundly affects every human, and the second one profoundly affects every person. Now, so today we're going to talk a little bit about this one. This second coming, if you'll go to Acts, the first chapter in the sixth verse, this is at the end of Jesus' time after he's raised from the dead. He was on the earth then for 50 days, or for 40 days, excuse me, he's on the, uh, and he was talking with people. But right before he went up into heaven, he says this. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? In their minds, they were thinking that Jesus would free them from the tyranny of the Roman Empire. And they were saying, is this the time? Uh, you know, you're our Messiah. Are you going to be our hero and deliver us from these, these Roman maniacs? And um, 
Then the next verse, Jesus says this. He said, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. That's an interesting verse of Scripture. And then there's also another one that we're not going to turn to, but I want to refer to. You can write it down in Matthew 24 and verse 36. And Jesus was saying there in a whole prophecy chapter, the whole chapter is a prophecy, and it's a long chapter. But he was saying there again that you don't know the date and the time that is only the Father knows. So now, this begs the question then, if we're supposed to know the signs and the times, and there are all these verses of Scripture in the Bible, then why do these two verses of Scripture say that we won't know when this pinnacle event's going to happen? We won't know the date and the time. Well, let's look at another verse of Scripture in, in Matthew, the 16th chapter, in verse 2. He said this, he replied, Jesus is talking here, he said, you know the saying, red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow. And he was talking to people who, you know, a lot of them were farmers, so they needed to read the signs of the weather. Next verse, red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. And then he goes on to say this really important thing to, for us. You know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. So when Jesus is saying in two different places that you don't know the date and the time, he's not saying that you shouldn't know the signs of the time that you're living. You may not know the moment in which he is going to come. You may not know the day in which Jesus is going to come about, but we are not to be ignorant about the time that we're living in and the times that Jesus will come again. All right? So I'd like you to go in your Bible then to 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. Now, this, uh, when Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, heaps of the whole book are dedicated to the coming of the Lord or that pinnacle, that pin pinnacle event. And he says this, he said, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Now, that I underline that. <laughs> There's some things that we're ignorant about, and it's okay. You may not get calculus, and you may not get, you may not get, uh, huh? I, everything else I know, I can't even think of anything I don't know. <laughs> well, for me, you may not get how to, how to work technology on your phone. You have to hand it to your child. <laughs> okay, there's some things that you may not get, but the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul said, don't be dull and ignorant about this. Now, we're not going to follow the rest of that. You can write down that reference and look. He's talking about things related to the coming of the Lord. He's talking about, actually, in this particular reference, he's talking about the rapture, when the dead in Christ are going to rise and we're going to all go up uh, and meet Jesus in the air. That's a part of the second coming. It, amazing. So he said, don't be ignorant. Say this, I don't want to be ignorant. So we want to be Bible taught. Go back. Uh, I'd like you to look in Matthew, the 24th chapter. In this in this chapter 24, Jesus, 
Not only was he savior, redeemer, healer, and all wonderful things, but he's also prophet. And many prophets in the Bible, but Jesus stands as the head of all prophets. And this whole chapter is dedicated to prophecy. And in verse 3, after Jesus had just prophesied in in chapter 2 about the destruction of Jerusalem, which came to pass a few years after Jesus had gone back to heaven, uh, it all came to pass exactly. Uh, but, and that was in verse 2 that he was saying that later Jesus sat on Mount Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when will all this happen? They were talking about the destruction of Jerusalem that he had just prophesied about. Now let's look at this next one. What will be, what will signal your return? That's a different subject. The destruction of Israel or Jerusalem the return, Jesus' return, that's a different, that's a whole different subject and a different time, separated. They didn't know this, but it was going to be separated by a couple thousand years. And then the end of the world, that is yet even another subject. And so then the rest of chapter 24 of Matthew, he explains different things that have to do with all of this. And When people read Bible prophecy and they put Matthew 24, they shake it all together and throw it out and they say, this is what's going to happen. It's all messed up. It's all all, uh, put together wrong. There needs to be a good interpretation of Bible times. And that's why... Uh, starting in October on Fridays, um, if you'll look at this, we have uh, Friday night sessions just for us, just to help us. If anybody wants to have a better clue of the days that you're living in, that we're living in, and then we're going to have Friday nights for this so that we can understand Bible prophecy concerning the end of time. It's there, but we don't. We do want to understand it. And not only that, we want to, un- to recognize Bible in time prophecy, get this, in the news. We don't realize it, but when we watch the news, it is so connected to the Bible, it's almost scary in a happy sort of way. And not only the news, but also nature. When Jesus came the first time, nature proclaimed it. When I'm talking about nature, I'm talking about stars, the earth. It was just amazing how all of, every, all of God's nature responded to the first coming. It will even be amplified for the second coming. It's already happening. It's happening even this month. Great things are happening, and we don't want to be ignorant. One thing about signs, you know, that Tony and I endured in changing continents, uh, uh, you don't even think about it when you live in a place, you grow up seeing the signs. But in every country, the signage is different. And it befuddles you when you're driving because they're placed different. Sometimes, well, when we went to Italy, it was in another language. When we first moved there, you know, we had to translate kilometers to miles, or I mean miles to kilometers, which we never really did. We never, and we still don't get it, but anyway. <laughs> but signs, signs are all different. It's all different. And so we need to know how to read the signs. 
know how to read the signs of these times that are in the world around us, and also to have an understanding. And what is that? What is Shemitah? Well, Friday nights we'll talk about it. What, what is God's place for Israel? Oh, find out about it. What about ISIS? What does that have to do with the end times? All of these things are connected in the Bible. And we want you to be able to have some understanding on it. And Tony also has uh, uh, scheduled somebody in, the, in February to come uh, do a seminar on the times that we are living in. It's exciting. When I first started learning about the times that I'm living in, it was when I was a teenager. And I'm telling you, it makes such a difference when you have that other perspective, then you're not just being all about me. It helps you, even at that age, start living beyond yourself. Okay, and more. And so Ed, uh, Joseph Morris is coming. Uh, we have a link. We've had it. Tony's had it on his heart a long time ago to, to uh, you know, uh, uh, let you have an opportunity to, um, to plug into end time updates. And so in our, on our website and in those weekly updates, you can just click on, that, click on that link and there's a real brief, like five minute update. All right. Now, if you go in your Bible, I'm gonna just let the word talk to us just a little bit. Can we do that? Are you okay to hear some, some word? First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. Do we have that? Were we able to get that? Now concerning, and, and uh, I will just read these, read it all. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. Why? Verse 2, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. Next verse. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape for but you aren't in the dark about these things. That's a good faith confession, isn't it? <laughs> you might be sitting there thinking, mm, I'm not getting this. The Bible is saying you're not in the dark. If you're walking with Jesus and if you'll walk in the light of the word, you're not in the dark about these things. So you won't be surprised. Say this, I won't be surprised. <laughs> Say it again. Now there's two places in scripture it says he comes like a thief in the night. But you can say, I won't be surprised if you know the signs, all right? You don't have to keep saying after me, but anyway. Won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. Verse four, 5, you are all children of the light and of the day. You don't belong to the darkness and night. Verse 6, so be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. There's something intoxicating in the world system that makes you um, dull. You can see things happening around it and not even know it's happening. I want to just talk about some ways, some real practical. We can't discuss everything. We got those for these Friday nights coming up. But here are some practical ways, some really simple things that we can do to navigate in these times. All right? So this first one says, be awake. Be clear-minded, be sober, all right? For 2 Peter 3 and verse 3, it says, most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. Next verse. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? 
for before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was created. Next, they deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word. Now go to verse 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sakes. Is that kind? Patient. He wants everybody to know that he came the first time and why he came, to bring them back to God, make a way for everybody to come to God. Patient. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everybody to repent. Next verse. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. See, there it is the second time. The heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. He talks about some of the things that will happen in the last days, some amazing things. We won't go on into it. But look at verse 13. If you'll skip down to verse 13, Dixie. But we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth that he's promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. Go back to verse 12. As a result, look at this. Looking forward, no, verse 11, excuse me. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. If you know that they're... The biggest thing on the calendar isn't what, you're going, what movie you're going to go to next Tuesday night with your friends. The, the greatest thing on your calendar isn't just even your next vacation next January. There's big stuff happening on the big scale. Big stuff. And it affects the way you live. You don't live all about you. All right? So let's go on. Let's go to 1 Peter 4. But the end of all things is at hand. Whoa. You think, really? Peter wrote that 2,000 years ago. The end or the last days began after Jesus went to heaven. The last days began. His human existence went way on before then. We have been in the last days since then. If they were in the last days when Peter talked, we are in the really, 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 really the last days. So he says this, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. In other words, you think, I haven't ever prayed much except for the food. In the last days, it would be a good thing to know how to pray and to pray. We want to give you opportunities to pray. All right, so prayer. Look at the next verse. Above all things, have fervent love. Say fervent love. Don't just kind of love people. Get on with it. Get up over the bump of, of offense and reasons to be mad at people and fall out with, come on, guys. We're fervently loving people. Amen. We love our family. We love our friends. We love people we don't know we love, even our enemies, Jesus said. Okay? We pray for those. Love will cover a multitude of sins. Look at verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. <laughs> open your heart. Open your arms. Open your hands. It's not just what people can do for you. What can you do? What can you do for other people? How can you bless other people? What part of your life can you, what part of your time can you give to other people? 
All of this is ways that we navigate in the last days. In the last days when everything is going like this about me, Jesus said, mm, mm, your children of light live like this. Live big. Live open. All right? Next verse. This all has to do with living in the last days. He said, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Every single one of us in this room, God has given a gift. It's, it's with talent. It's, it's with abilities. It's how he's, how he's gifted you to think. Yeah, there may be problems. There may be circumstances. Take that all away in your heart is a gift, and in these last days, he said, share it. Don't bury it. Don't hoard it and say, oh, somebody else can. No, get that gift out and use it for other people, all right? Hebrews 10 and verse 25. Here's another one. Some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship. Well, I can just do it by myself in my car. Well, look what this goes on to say. But we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other. Do you know, we think church is the building. It's actually not. Church is people. And the word church in the, in the Greek is the word ecclesia, which means a gathering of people. It's a, a coming together. The definition of church isn't building. It's us together. What do we do when we get together? Well, we worship God together. You can do that on your own, but there is something interesting that happens when you do it together. You can study the Bible on your own, but there's something that happens when we eat from a common table. And besides that, God's got some things that he wants to say to us at a common time. So we don't forsake the assembling. And notice it goes on to say we should keep encouraging one another, especially since you know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. All right? So we don't, do, we don't gather less. We actually gather more. Okay? So... Let's look at the last one, and it's Matthew, the 24th chapter, and verse 6. He said, you will hear, this is Jesus prophesying. He said, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. And I looked at some statistics of some of the things that Jesus prophesied about wars and rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, and they went all the way back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago of how many, and, and they named the number. Oh, my goodness, uh, there's so many more now, like <laughs> incredibly more now than what was then. Exactly what Jesus said would be like a woman with travail. Uh, the contractions get harder and more intense and more close together. And so it is with these signs. This, the earth itself is going, mm, something's happening. And we call it, we call it warming, we call it whatever we want to do. But uh, Jesus, the one who made the earth, or it was his word, God's word that made the earth, he read it all. He said it all. And he said that these things were going to happen. And then after he tells you all that stuff that's going to happen, he said, so don't be afraid. 
Oh, good. <laughs> how do we do that? How do we, how, do we have, how do we live in a world that's going nuts and not just the people on it? The very earth is doing stuff. Not that it hasn't done before, but it's doing it more. Yeah. How, how do we do that and not be afraid? Guys, can you go back to that pen, those pinnacles? Dixie, if we live in the light of what Jesus did here, the victory that he purchased with his great sacrifice on the cross, if we know what he did, the victory, the life, the strength, the grace that is supplied through his first coming, it will give us strength. We can absolutely walk over any kind of trial as we march towards this second coming. I tell you, a happy person in this time, not just happy because all things good are happening to me, but happy whether good things are happening to me or not. Happy because Jesus is Lord, because he lives in my heart, and no matter what's going on in the world around me, I have peace. Jesus said, in this world there will be tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So he wants us to know what he did in his first coming so that we can be ready and triumphant and not our head in a sack when he comes in the second. Amen? So guys, uh, I, want to, I want to pray and give you opportunity to put Jesus in the center. You know how... Um, have you guys ever made pottery on a, on a wheel? Anybody in here made a pottery on a wheel or seen it? Okay. I did it once on one of those ones that you get, like, at a children's store. Doesn't work very good. Don't buy those for your kids. They don't work. <laughs> but anyway, I, I did try it. But I do know this about a, pot, a p- piece of clay on a wheel. If it gets off center, it goes boom, boom. And I, if you, I just have this in my heart. If there's some things about your life that are going boom, 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 you're off center. You're off center. Jesus isn't meant to be a part of your life. He's meant to be the center of it. What he did in his first coming, consciousness that he is coming again. At the center of your life, it makes everything in your life revolve right, in orbit right. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story that you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at churchatrhema.org.au. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.